Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Among the five intellectual virtues, or that is, good dispositions of the intellectual or rational part of our soul that Aristotle discusses in Nicomachean Ethics Book 6, we find wisdom, which is a translation of the Greek word Sophia. This is a term that was used quite a lot before Aristotle, uh, sometimes more or less synonymously with the term that we're translating as practical wisdom or, or prudence, that is phronesis. Aristotle wants to treat it as something quite separate from prudence, as, as we'll talk about in just a bit. He thinks that this is actually, in many respects, the highest of all of the intellectual virtues. That is, the highest state or capacity that we can bring the, the human soul or mind to. And he notes, when he's first talking about it, that it's used in a very broad sense, that he wants to, to try to mention in part so he can get away from. He talks about people being declared as being sophos or wise when they are masters of their fields. Fields there is translating techne. And Aristotle is using that in the, I understand the pun here, technical sense of art or craft. So, for example, the sophists, the people who wandered around Greece several generations before Aristotle and then continuing on into Aristotle's own day, who would claim to be able to teach all sorts of things, they were, they were presenting themselves as being wise. Some of them would say, look, I only teach rhetoric like Gorgias did, and Gorgias was considered to be a wise man because he had mastered the art, the techne of rhetoric. Other people might be considered wise in such a sense because they are great statesmen like Pericles or uh, particularly good doctors. We don't really know if Eryximachus was a great doctor or not, but let's just say for a point of reference that he was, then he might be considered wise in that sense. Aristotle also says, you know, sometimes we say this about people who are not masters of any one particular field, but seem to have a wide range of skills and knowledge as well. Not just the jack of all trades who can't really do much effectively, is mediocre in a whole bunch of areas, but who's good in a bunch of areas. And Aristotle says this gets us on the right track because what wisdom is really about is possessing what we might call comprehensive knowledge or understanding. But it's not going to be of everything. Interestingly, Aristotle is going to take human affairs, for example, and he's going to say the wise person is not particularly concerned with those. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. He does say that in a strict sense that he wants to talk about it. It is the most exact, the akridastate of sciences or knowledges of episteme. This is an important term. Aristotle used this at the beginning of the ethics, if you remember in book one, to say that ethics is not an akribos, an exact, precise science in the way that, say, mathematics is. 
And we should expect a little bit more loosey-goosiness to ethics than we do in mathematics, in part because ethics has to do with human affairs, which have a lot of variance within them. We have to go to the level of the particulars where things will often get quite, quite messy and murky. Wisdom is not going to have that sort of impediment, in part because it's not going to have to do so much with human affairs. It's going to have to do instead with things that are higher or things that are more basic. So what is wisdom consistent? Aristotle is actually going to define wisdom in terms of two other intellectual virtues. Knowledge, or scientific knowledge, episteme, and what we translate difficultly as intellect, intelligence, intuition, sometimes that's translated as mind, nous, nous in Greek. And Aristotle says that wisdom actually encompasses and integrates both of these. So that a wise person is going to, by virtue of being wise, possess knowledge and possess this other intellectual virtue of intellect or intelligence. Why? Well, because wisdom, it knows not only the conclusions and presumably also the reasoning processes, the, the logismoi, that comprise knowledge, which work from first principles, which knowledge doesn't actually itself possess, but accepts from elsewhere and takes on. Where does it accept them? From intellect. Intellect supplies the first principles to knowledge. And then somebody who's within the field, you know, reading a textbook, sitting in a class, can just be given the first principles, kind of accept them provisionally, maybe the rest of their life, and work with the knowledge that they have without fully understanding where all of these original starting points came from. The person who has wisdom does understand. They have a true conception. They grasp the truth, as Aristotle says there, of these first principles that are being supplied by this other virtue, or this other habit, better yet, disposition within the mind of, of intellect or intelligence. So it fuses these two together and the person who is wise is going to not only know where to start from, but where to go from there. Aristotle says that it is distinct from prudence. This is a point that we've brought up several times. He also considers whether it's also distinct from political science, que politique episteme, which is going to be rolled under prudence in Aristotle's treatment in, in Nicomachean Ethics, Book 6. And he says that it's not those things. So it's quite possible for a person to be wise Thales is, is a great example. He was a Milesian philosopher made fun of by a servant woman because as he was looking at the heavens one night, he fell into a ditch and she was like, ah, look at this dummy. He doesn't really know how to take care of himself. Um, Thales actually got the last laugh on them because through his meteorological observations, he figured out, as according to stories, that there was going to be a really great olive crop, bought up all of the olive presses beforehand, and then charged people an arm and a leg in order to use them to, to press their, their bumper crop of olives, and then people quit saying that he, he lacked prudence. But wisdom and prudence are two different things for Aristotle. Why can't wisdom also encompass prudence? Because wisdom has to do with that highest part of the rational part of the soul that only deals with things, that only contemplates things that have first principles that are unchanging, that are by necessity, that we can say things about universally, that we can possess knowledge about. Prudence 
and also political science, techne, all those sorts of things. Those have to do with the shifting shapes of the realm of human affairs in which there's a lot of variance. And so wisdom doesn't, you might say, go down that far. It doesn't deal with the particulars in that sense. Instead, what does it occupy itself? Well, Aristotle talks about it having to do with things that are most worthy by nature. The word that he uses there is himeroteron, those things which are most worthy of being honored. So for Aristotle and for the ancient Greeks, this was the heavens. They were particularly interested in that. You could say that Aristotle's metaphysics dealing with being qua being, which also does deal with the heavens to some degree, would be similarly exalted like that. Human affairs, not so much. Aristotle says human beings are not the best thing in the universe. I suppose if we were to change our views on these, our starting points, you know, start from a different noose, a different origin point of reasoning, maybe we would say that wisdom actually does have to do with human beings if we think that human beings are indeed the highest thing that there is. Other people might contest that. But in any case, Aristotle thinks that wisdom, the person who actually possesses this habitual disposition within their mind of wisdom, is going to be spending a lot of time contemplating the greatest things. He talks in terms of people like Thales being said to have knowledge that is rare, that is marvelous, that people, you know, are in awe at, being difficult, and being semi-divine, daimonis. And, and this sort of characterizes what we think of somebody who genuinely has wisdom. This is a rather different conception, I think, than we have today, because we would often associate, because of our the way in which we do things, what, what we understand to be wisdom with either the political or economic or something like that realm, or with production, or perhaps we associate it with the scientists who, who might actually possess knowledge in Aristotle's sense, but might be lacking in the first principles, many of them. It's quite often that you can find people who have scientific knowledge, but can't really tell you where the first principles come from, because that's not something that falls within scientific knowledge's purview where the, the principles come from. It just knows these are the principles for our, our science. The person who's wise really has a, a grasp on all of this. So that is the virtue, the intellectual virtue, of wisdom in Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics, Book 6. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.